You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. I'm your host, JJ Jackson. We've got a good one for you today, a crossover episode with Candace Cooper, the host of the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. It's rivalry week. We've got the big game tomorrow between Duke and North Carolina. So Candace and I sit down, have a friendly conversation about tomorrow's game. I hope that you certainly do enjoy this. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore, as well as our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Let's get into the fun. All right. What's up, everybody? We are bringing you a very special locked on crossover episode. We've got the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils here to share the vibes of what should be a very exciting game this Saturday with a lot at stake. Not usual things that are at stake, you know, an ACC title, tournament champion, all that good stuff that we normally used to sing. No, it's just can we get into the NCAA tournament with this win? Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at here in 2021. I am joined today by JJ Jackson, host of Locked on Duke. He is going to talk to me about everything Blue Devils, how the team has been this past season, more importantly, where they're at right now as they gear up to face Carolina. JJ, how's it going? I'm doing well, Candace. Thank you for asking. I'm okay. glad that we were able to uh, have this crossover episode ahead of the greatest rivalry in sports. I love what you said there. We're so used to the final game of the year being the game that determines who wins the conference. We're used to single digits beside their names on the scoreboard, meaning they're ranked in the top 10. And that's just not the case this year. It's been a completely different season. Uh, But we saw earlier in the year when these two teams get together, as always, you're in for a classic and the game means much, much more for both of these programs than just getting into the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. So you are new to the Locked On family. Talk a little bit briefly for my Tar Heel fans about how well you know the Blue Devils and kind of how this all came to be for you. Yeah, sure. No doubt about that. Uh, Just a quick, quick rundown of, of my time with Duke growing up in the state of North Carolina. I'm an Asheville native, and as uh, everybody knows, your family is either a Duke family or a UNC family, it feels like, and uh, I come from a Duke family. Uh, My dad put me in Duke clothes immediately out of the hospital. I was in a onesie from the get-go, and uh, I followed Duke basketball ever since, and from there, uh, growing up, going to Duke basketball camps, Duke basketball games, uh, and that sort of thing, at one point in my life, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation came to me and said, is there anything that you would like to do? And I said, I just want to meet Coach K and the Duke basketball team. And this was in 2007. Met Coach K for the first time. Um, Two-time cancer survivor, cancer-free, which is uh, the ultimate win in itself. But ever since, uh, just been really close with that Duke basketball program. They've meant a whole lot to me. And uh, I'm thrilled to uh, now have an outlet to talk about Duke athletics each and every day. Well, that is a blessing. Well, you know, kudos to you and all of your good health. Glad to hear that is a positive outlook so far. So good. So that is Absolutely. awesome. Um, of course, you know, I have to talk a little trash here because it is yeah. Carolina Duke. Bring it. The first time out, Carolina was able to sneak away with a W, right? They were able to hold on. They did everything they could to try and give it away, right? But <laughs> they were able to beat Duke in Cameron, which is a rare but fun feat, right? How did you feel about the non-fan factor? Do you think that's been an issue for Duke all season? 
In a way, yes, absolutely. I mean, you're used to Cameron Indoor Stadium being one of the toughest environments in all of college basketball, and we've seen Duke lose way more games at home than you typically do see them. Obviously, they had that big non-conference winning streak uh, going back 20-some-odd years that was snapped last year where Duke never lost home games to non-conference opponents and then rarely lost in the ACC at home, but no fans being there. The environment just looks totally different. The benches are so spaced out, and uh, it's just a way different vibe. But as we saw in that first game uh, between Carolina and Duke in the first half, Candace, I thought UNC <laughs> was just going to run away with that game. They had as large as a 12-point lead at one point, but in that second half, Duke started to make some shots, had a chance to win it at the end, but it was just uh, it was not to be as uh, Duke was trailing by two. And Wendell Moore Jr. went to the rim. I don't know why he did not lay up the basketball <laughs> in that first game, Candace. The don't, ball is right at the rim. Listen, don't you realize? Tries to throw it. No, I was going to say, don't you realize guys these days don't like layups? That's just, it has to be flashier than that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, it, like, try to dunk on somebody, Candace, or kick it out to a three point shooter. Right. And I'm not quite sure when Dunmore Jr. knows what he even did at the end there, but it results in a turnover. Uh, Chapel Hill, Carolina makes a couple of more free throws. They win the game. So, uh, yeah. really tough loss to stomach. But these years are kind of, my, my favorite in the rivalry because you mentioned it being a tough place to play. And even in Duke's greatest seasons, North Carolina is always the team that feels comfortable winning in Cameron Indoor Stadium when the crazies are at their absolute craziest, mm. pun intended. And yeah. even when North Carolina is at their absolute best in the Dean Dome, Duke finds ways to silence that entire crowd. At the Dean Smith Center, Austin Rivers would remind you of that. Listen. Um, and a couple of other great moments throughout the years. That is my senior year, the only time I got to go to a Carolina <laughs> oh, no. game. That was a long walk back to my apartment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 2012 was something I'll never yes. ever forget. Yeah, it was it was a rough go. So to but remind you know what I'm you, saying, like even, oh, in, yeah. even in their best years, both of these teams in the rivalry are able to win on the road. And it can be a sellout crowd. It doesn't matter. Right. And so now this year we're watching this rivalry with nobody there. Absolutely. Even saw last season when Ty hit that shot, Trey hit that shot. And it was just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's very on brand for how the season went yeah. for the Tar Heels. But if you guys don't know, right, Carolina will host Duke in the final regular season game tomorrow at 6 p.m. The Tar Heels are 15 and 9 overall, 9 and 6 in the ACC, and Duke is 11 and 10 overall, 9 and 8 in league play, and the Blue Devils have dropped consecutive games in overtime at home, first to Louisville and Georgia Tech. Now, how are y'all feeling after that Louisville and Georgia Tech? You didn't think that it was going to take this Carolina game to really be in consideration for whether or not you guys got into the tournament, but that Georgia Tech one was tough. Can't even lie as a witness yeah. it was tough because yeah, I was like, you're man. telling me they did everything they could to get back in that game but when it was all said and done George Tech's just having a different kind of year they are it's I mean that folks pointing out that Georgia Tech has the toughest strength of schedule in the ACC this year and to be 10 and 6 in the conference is something I did not foresee happening and then also Candace from the Duke side of things Duke has not lost to Georgia Tech in over a decade. <laughs> Ten years, 15 meetings. That's a long time yeah. in a college basketball rivalry going back and forth in the ACC. But uh, that streak is no longer to be as Tech won in overtime, as you said. And Duke 
fought and fought. And for a moment there at the end, Georgia Tech threw consecutive inbounds passes to Duke. And I thought they were trying to lose the game again. Yeah. Uh, DJ Stewart had a wide open three-pointer um, to try and tie the game. It just would not be. And so uh, tip of the cap to Georgia Tech. They got the win. They split the series with Duke. But this makes this game against UNC all the more important for Duke to win if they want to get into the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. And there are a couple things that we want to make sure you guys know about as we preview this game. Things are going to have to watch out for from both sides. But to remind you guys once before the all-time series, you know, a lot of people is everything's about history, right? When you look at this rivalry, historical facts, Carolina leads the all-time series against Duke 140 to 114. But in the last couple matchups, it's certainly been closer. The point differentiate is just astronomical how close it is every game is something that's a nail biter it's frustrating as a fan because you're like I'm gonna have a heart attack this is gonna be the game (laughs) when it's all said and done I'm gonna have a heart attack but for you personally what does the UNC kind of Duke rivalry mean to you everything I mean it's the greatest rivalry in sports I in my broadcasting career have had the pleasure and the opportunity to really travel across the country And folks want to always ask me, what is that Duke-North Carolina rivalry like? And if you are born in that state and even in the close surrounding areas, you've got to pick a side. Are you part of the Blue Devil family or the Tar Heel family? And so the fact that the schools are so close together, the fact that in the strangest ways, the players don't necessarily hate each other as much as you would think they would because they probably grew up together, right? And um, they're kind of close friends off the court and that sort of thing. It's just, it's a weird rivalry, but I think all that weird stuff makes it so great. Um, The coaching icons in it with Dean Smith, Roy Williams, and then obviously Coach K um, on the Duke side of things. You mentioned the series history, Candace, and for Duke fans, we just like to forget about Duke (laughs) basketball prior to Coach K. So we always like to look at that record. I don't have it off the top of my head, but we always like to look at that record in the rivalry since Coach K arrived in 1980 because the series is much more even uh, ever since Coach K got there in Durham. But no, all all jokes aside, it is the greatest rivalry in sports. Would you say the same thing? A hundred percent. I think that when it all boils down to it, you know, we all know either I'm rushing Franklin Street or I'm going, you know, to Krzyzewskiville, right? I'm going to do something that gives right. me a hype to either pump it up. I don't know that I would ever sleep in a tent for this game. I can tell you that right <laughs> now, but I would certainly want to be partying on anybody's street when it's all said and done and the jumping over fires, all that good stuff. I think it's just the community feel of knowing that you get to enjoy for at least 24 hours walking to the grocery store the next day with your Carolina gear. Right. You don't have to hang your head low, right? <laughs> you don't right. have to say, Hey, did you catch that game last night? And you don't have to like be hum- and low about it. Cause you know that your team put up a good fight. It's something just, it really is a community conversation that everyone gets involved in. And it has grown because of the stars that we have coming to both Carolina and Duke. Right. So it's become a nationwide rival that people really do get invested in. So I appreciate just the opportunity of something that's like real close to me. And obviously being a student there, it hits differently. Right. But I think also just in general, when you're from North Carolina, you understand very much. So, like you said, you pick from birth, you're either throwing up, you know, your Duke Blue Devil side, you're getting your Cameron crazy hands right, or you are all about, you know, born, bred, dead energy over right. here in Chapel Hill. So, no, I totally, totally agree with you there. But I will so, say, Candace, before, oh, yeah. before, we, before we move forward, I wanted to, to bring this up for, for my Blue Devil audience, as you're alluding to, you were a student at, at UNC, yeah. you were a student athlete at UNC, not only on the basketball side of things, speak to what this rivalry means 
for all sports uh, yeah. at both of these schools? Yeah, sure. So I swam at Carolina from 2008 to 2012. I had the opportunity to be around greatness. I won. Well, I would say I won. I obviously didn't play it down, but I <laughs> was in the atmosphere for my first national championship my freshman year. So I like to say everything was downhill from there because, you know, anything less <laughs> than the championship is just like, okay, the cool. Nanny, we made to a final yeah. four. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to say if that guy did not break Kendall Marshall's arm, we would have another one in our belt in 2011. But hey, here we are. Right. Right? So I think it just means a lot from an athletic standpoint, because again, you go into competing against a team, we do the same chance, the same cheers, it's always go to hell Duke, right? So <laughs> everyone knows that that energy and vibe is well known throughout Chapel Hill and Carolina athletics. We just, we, everybody gets hyped, but it also, you know, it has a lot of social good as well, because our, our hospitals do rivalry things where it's like, how much money can we raise? Can Duke hospital raise more money than Carolina and all that good stuff to where at the end 100%. of the day, we know it's a game, right? <laughs> but it's always fun to poke at your friends. And so we're hoping that you guys take the opportunity to bet on Carolina and Duke on Saturday at 6 p.m. And if you do, you must sign up for an account at betonline.ag. Betonline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. Betonline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with your new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski has Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, so I'm here with JJ Jackson here to talk Locked On Blue Devils, Locked On Tar Heels crossover episode and all that good stuff. And as you know, Carolina and Duke are going at it again right this time for all the marbles in terms of who gets into the NCAA or NIT tournaments right we have to play at six on Saturday we look forward to live tweeting the game and talking about it with you guys then but let's preview this game right because clearly there are some things that both teams have to work on if they want to be in the conversation moving forward or they have to be that team that has the automatic bid winning the entire ACC tournament so I'll start right? Carolina cannot keep the ball to save their lives, right? They have a turnover bug that has been biting them from the start of season till now. It's unfortunate. We see it in our last two matchups, right? Where we can play a really great game. We can dominate. We can end up taking down teams like Florida State, and then we can go to sleep against teams like Syracuse. It's just the consistently inconsistent approach that Carolina has taken all season, having at least 20 turnovers against Syracuse. has been very frustrating, but I will say, when it comes to the Duke game, we found ourselves putting up some of our best performance with 91 points on the year. However, I just, in my heart of hearts, feel like it's either going to be a great defensive performance by both either Carolina or Duke, or Duke's going to shoot the lights out. It's going to be one of those things that Carolina can't defend that well. So I'm a little nervous about the turnover situation. And how are you feeling about your team when it comes to handling the ball? Uh, a little bit better than North Carolina, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's obviously, Candace going to be, uh, if I were to be Coach K or a part of the, the coaching staff with the breakdown for these Duke players, the last three games for Carolina, they're averaging an even 20 turnovers per game. That's hard to do 
Like right. that, that's, and, and, and for Roy Williams, that's so uncharacteristic of his Carolina team. So for Duke, I, I think the pressure is going to be the most important factor in Saturday's game is, is can you force turnovers and can you capitalize off of those turnovers? And you're right. I think so many times in the rivalry, it's come down to the three-point line, which team shoots the ball well. I know in that first meeting uh, between Duke and Carolina, Kerwin Walton couldn't miss a shot. Uh, my guy was four for four from three in that game. And I, I think Duke needs a performance like that, whether it be um, DJ Stewart from the three-point line, Matthew Hurt, knock it down a couple of those from the outside, maybe somebody like Joey Baker as well. I think that three-point line is going to be the difference in this game. And, and for Duke, I think it comes down to that uh, as well as guard play. Duke has had their fair share of uh, not turnovers necessarily, but inconsistent shooting nights from DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach, their younger guards, and they've got to be more of a factor. They've got to find a way to put the ball in the bucket. That's for sure. I love that you talk about guard play because let me tell you, Caleb Love and RJ Davis are the kings of inconsistency, right? I feel like they sh- they dribble the ball with no plan. They you know speed down yeah. the court with no execution. They are not very good passers. And you know, for us, our bigs have been our staple this season, whether it's been Dayron Sharp. Armando Baycott, Walker Kessler, even I'll throw Garrison Brooks in there, right? They have been our bread and butter in terms of feeding our bigs, getting us scores, but I don't think that's going to be a great long-term plan, but you know, in order to be Duke, maybe we could try it, right? So I'm concerned with how Carolina is going to bounce back. As you mentioned from the Kern Walton, who had a great night against Duke, wide open shots became, that was really his coming out party, right? And then unfortunately he went over seven against Syracuse and went ice cold. <laughs> When I had Danny Green on the show the other day, I was talking to him like, when can you start a shooting camp? Because our guys need it. They're so inconsistent, especially beyond the perimeter. They dig, it's not their, it's not their jam, right? They can't even defend the perimeter, let alone shoot behind it. So I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> who is going to be our sleeping giant for the game. So I would love to ask you, who is the guy for you that like, listen, he's been waiting to have his breakout game and this is it. Now, Matthew Hurt didn't have a great game the first time out against Carolina. And so I'm low-key a little nervous because I feel like he's yeah. he gives me Buddy Bayham, Buddy Bayham <laughs> vibes, where it's like when he goes off, he's trouble, trouble, right? So I think that he might be the sleeper, but I'm going to let you make the ultimate decision. For me, I'm going to say that Leaky Black is going to have an amazingly awesome defensive game because he's going to need it, right? I think that's the pe- person everyone sleeps on. I think he might add a, a little points <laughs> to the mix, but right. if he can just be a great defender throughout the entire game and shut people down, we'll have a chance to win a second time. Inconsistent guard play, I think, is something you could say for both of these teams, Candice, because you're right about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, and the same goes on our side of things with Duke, with D.J. Stewart and Jeremy Roach. And I think in a way, it comes down to all four of these guys we're naming are freshmen, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's a weird COVID year where we hear this all season long, but I think it's true. They didn't have the same off-season programs that they're used to having. And I, I think that that's been the primary reason for their inconsistencies. But boy, it makes it frustrating to be a college basketball fan and a fan of these teams when your players are being that inconsistent. And for Duke, Caleb Love had 25 points against the Blue Devils <laughs> in Cameron Indoor. Like, that's a pretty good welcome into the rivalry. So, yeah. I think limiting breakout nights like that from Carolina would be uh, important. And, and in terms of a breakout player for Duke in Saturday's game, I like the Matthew Hurt pick because he was 
so he didn't have a good game against Carolina the first time around. Earlier in the week against Georgia Tech, he fouled out with seven minutes left, and that was coming off the Louisville game where he had a career-high 37 points. And the fact that Duke still found a way to lose a game where Matthew Hurt had 37 points just uh, disgusts me and the rest of <laughs> the Duke basketball community. So I, I think Matt Hurt is due for a major game. And then I think Mark Williams inside, Candace, because that's somebody who's coming off a career game himself against Tech with 20 rebounds and seven points – or seven, excuse me, 20 points and seven rebounds – and uh, several block shots. And so for Mark Williams, those bigs for Carolina are intimidating, right? Because you win the rebounding battle every single game, and Duke needs bodies on the inside. And so I think the bigs for Duke are going to be just as important for the guards, getting the rebounds, creating transition opportunities. I think that's what it's going to come down to. No doubt. And can I just tell you that after the 25-point performance, and the savage pick that Caleb decided to post on his Instagram about being a savage and you know all that good stuff, right? You don't know who that you're a savage, so you get up against one, like he all that good stuff. That was nice. And then he blew it the very next game. And I said, you know what? I mean, they went dog crazy awful against Clemson. And I said, listen, I, I think I may have made fun of him every single show. I'm like, if you're gonna be a savage, you better be consistent, right? <laughs> if you're gonna be someone who talks junk, that's great. I love anybody who hypes himself up former athlete I get it but you're gonna have to be better than what you can't go 25 and then two 25 and then six you know that just that doesn't work for me and it's not even like you had great assists that night either right you just didn't have a complete game you were no show you didn't show up (laughs) and you want to be our lead guard so that's what I have been on him ever since that savage 20 point 25 point night I have been unloading on him so I'm like that that doesn't work for me <laughs> and you're not the you're not the only one Candace I mean as as uh, as Duke fans well know and then I'm, I'm certainly uh, preaching to the choir here amongst the Carolina basketball community Roy Williams is toughest on his point guards yeah. and it's not even close like that that is his position that you better be able to handle the pressure handle the game and um, so yeah I, I know that Roy Williams has been uh, equally as frustrated at times with the inconsistent play of Caleb Love. And then his story in particular, and we talk about the rivalry and going a little bit deeper, how in the world, Candace and the rest of the Carolina basketball community, how in the world does Caleb Love grow up in St. Louis playing high school basketball where Jason Tatum's dad is his head coach and he finds himself playing for North Carolina and not Duke? Listen, you know, <laughs> like there's so many stories like that in the yeah. rivalry. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. I was going to say that reminds me of Brandon Ingram and how he yeah. with Jerry Stackhouse and Reggie Bullock and ends up going to Duke. Makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute no sense. And of course, he's gone on to do great things. But at the time, he just was so confused yeah. as to why they make the decisions that they do. And I'm just right. Like, Hey, listen, like I said, you grow up and you have to pick and you have to pick pretty early on. And I'm sure Jason no doubt. was instilling Duke knowledge in early. But I also think, you know, if we take a step back and just looking at it as a whole, of course, you know, these guys love their universities while they're there. Right. But when you talk about the one and doneers, right, of course, they have loyalty to Duke. Right. The Duke Brotherhood and all that good stuff. But how much are you is it really ingrained in you when you're only there for like 10 months tops? Right. Is it, no, is it something where Zion is like, okay, Duke all the time, Duke everything? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. We could ask them one day when we have them on our show. For sure. That's that's the goal, to ask them those questions. I'd like to believe it is. Yeah. Uh, but obviously we're seeing this major 
one and done shift. Duke has definitely bought all the way into that. Um, yeah. That's kind of the the biggest um, the the biggest thing that Carolina fans are quick to point out. Like, oh, Coach K losing players every single year, going to the one and done. But now you see Candace, and now you see Tar Heels that uh, Roy Williams is starting to do the same as well. Yeah, listen, you got to learn when to adjust and when to understand right. that, you know, they've called your hand here. You can, Of course, <laughs> it'd be great to have guys who say three to four years, but the likelihood is, just, I mean, we, we can take from Michael Mac, James Michael McAdoo. When it's your time to go, bro, you just got to know when to pull the trigger because <laughs> I, I actually like that Krzyzewski encourages his guys. I know sure. I, there were rumors about, you know, Zion wanting to stay and wanting to like win a championship. I'm like, boy, if you don't go make your money and go about your way, like. <laughs> go get your bag. <laughs> Duke will always be here. The education will always be here, right? You can always right. come back to school. But I I really love that he encourages guys to do what's best for them and their family. But I Absolutely. can't end with, you know, of course, the implications of the game. So I want to make sure we talk about just as a whole what this will mean heading into the ACC and NCAA tournament. But first, I want you guys to go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all the sides of the story with Rejecting the Screen podcast. Each week, Noah Kosloff and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media, and media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get podcasts. So as we wrap up today's show, really enjoy the conversation with JJ. Man, I'm going to have to have you back a couple times. we got to find another do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball season, we got to have you back, right? Let's do it, um, yeah. But of course we know the ACC tournament, NCAA tournament are right around the corner. This is the last game. It always has been built up like this. Usually the teams are playing for much more, the regular season championship, but that's pretty much all in Florida State's hands at this point. But from your standpoint, right, from Duke, if you do not make the NCAA tournament, what does that say about this team, right? Or do you think you're going to make a nice run and we don't even have to worry about that conversation? Or if you don't make the tournament, let's just say, right? What does it say about this team and where do you think it kind of in the offseason, what kind of conversations are we having to rebuild? I'm known as the poster boy for eternal optimists, Candace <laughs> Cooper. So I always think that Duke is going to win and find themselves in the NCAA tournament. For both of these teams, when you're on the bubble looking in, right. I really do think that brand means something. And look, bottom line, the NCAA tournament is more valuable when Duke and North Carolina are in the field. And so if they're on the bubble, that is a bold statement for committee members to make to not put them into the field. On a personal level, what does that mean for me and, and, and the Duke fans if Duke is not in the NCAA tournament? At 25 years old, Candace, I've never seen Duke basketball not make the tournament. They've got the longest streak going uh, in college basketball with uh, Kansas as, as teams that have been in the NCAA tournament each and every year. So I don't know what that looks like. It's going to be a whole <laughs> new experience for me and an entire generation right. of Duke fans, right, that, that they've been on this crazy successful run. But what it means for the season, I, I really do believe it just comes down to um, it being a young team. I mean, this is the fifth youngest team in all of college basketball. There are over 350 Division One teams, and this is the fifth youngest team. Even in the one-and-done era, Duke has always had some leaders who had been around the program that still play and contribute and that sort of thing. Most recently, somebody like Grayson Allen, right, who was there for a while. Um, this year, you've just got Jordan Goldwire, really, who's done a fair job, but 
other than that, other than um, his defensive effort, not too many leaders within the program to kind of help these young freshmen along the way. And then on top of that, Duke has lost nine games by seven or less points. They've been in close games this season. They just haven't been able to win. Winning time is losing time is kind of the method for Duke (laughs) this year because the winning time at the end, you've got to make buckets down the stretch. And that's been something, the Achilles heel, so to speak, for Duke basketball this year is crunch time. So there will be crunch time on Saturday night in this game because there always is. And uh, I'm knocking on wood. I'm doing everything uh, superstitious to kind of hope and make sure Duke does that on Saturday. There you go. I 100% understand. And I think the same thing when it comes to Carolina, right? They have an extremely young team. I am begging Dayron, even though I just said everyone should go make their money to come back because I think he still <laughs> needs, I think he needs one more year. If I'm mean, from the eye test, right? You just need one more right. year where I understand that you are dominant, you're a big force and what have you. It's the simple mistakes. It's the inability to make your free throws consistently, which I mean, yeah, big men don't have to, but man, when you get to the big boy league, yeah, that's going to be something that's going to be critical sure. for you. And I don't want him to have to go the two-way player route or the overseas comeback route like give it one more year you and walker right that y'all be the one the one two tandem right we get some scholarships out of the way sterling manly can go about his way garrison brooks can go ahead and graduate right and we can really start to hone in on who this team is and have an identity i think they're going to make the tournament again like you said off brand recognition and just what ncaa and college basketball politics and the college basketball gods all put together right right but I do. But they it. earned it, Candace. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of times, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I believe the brands in themselves, like yeah. with, with yeah. The, the history of the programs, somebody like Roy Williams and somebody like Coach K, they deserve credit for winning all the games over the years that they have done. Sure. I know the NCAA is, is that's an entire conversation in itself with the uh, kind of shady things that happen and that sort of thing but strictly off of wins and losses alone somebody like Roy Williams somebody like Coach K somebody like Jim Beheim, even you're going to trust that their teams win moving forward and down the stretch than others right I mean yeah of course and I do think that at the end of the day maybe it would be good for these kind of guys who have this entitlement about them like oh I go to a Carolina I go to a Duke I'm just supposed to be in these certain things like it makes it a different you have to have a different level of hunger still right because you have these big 10 big 12 teams who are coming in you have these Florida States and Georgia Tech teams of the world who are like okay that was cute for all this you know wow but things are changing (laughs) New opportunities are on the horizon, right? There are different teams trying to win. And hey, Virginia, for whatever reason, has been dominating these last couple of years. Can't they're actually that's my least favorite team beyond Duke. Yeah. Uh, so I totally just want the hunger to come back a little bit for Carolina and even Duke, right? I just want that hunger of the expectancy. I said I always say on the show, excellence is a standard. So I'm not really impressed by much, right? Again, a girl who's sure. in a national championship. I worked for Carolina when 2017, so I've seen it twice, right? Like I've just been in the atmosphere but I've also been around teams who can have winning streaks beyond four or five right so I'm used to seeing excellence all the time so that's just something that become but I also know the work that these guys put in and I'm hoping that it really just becomes 
something that time in and time out, they are <laughs> really hungry for the opportunity to wear the Carolina or Duke uniforms. But I, and when you think about just from a whole standpoint, though, this rivalry, when we come back to it, means so much. And I hope that they really just dial in. And I think we saw that the first time out. And now that there's so much <laughs> implications of whether or not they'll make tournaments and what have you, being really <laughs> on bubbles, I think this is going to be a well-defended game. I think guys are like, you're not, it's going to be tough to make shots on Saturday. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time, JJ. Can you remind folks, especially who are new to the crew, where they can find you and follow more of your work? Absolutely. Follow me personally on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And then uh, also the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And uh, much like the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, Locked on Blue Devils each and every weekday. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. No doubt. Again, thank you guys for listening at Locked on Heels at Candace D. Cooper. If you want to follow Again, I'll be live tweeting on Saturday. I'll be giving heckling JJ, of course, you know, when there's some great shots happening. I am all about a good gif, so you can tune in there. But make sure you guys come back on Monday to hear our recaps of the show. And, you know, make sure you just tune in for some great content that we look to bring you throughout the spring season. So for Candace Cooper, for JJ, we wish you nothing but the best. Have a great weekend. And as always, I say I end mine with Go Heels, but I'll let you end yours with Go (laughs) Duke. All right. Absolutely loved that. So much fun spending time with Candace Cooper talking about tomorrow's game between North Carolina and Duke. I'm very hopeful that this will turn into a Duke Blue Devils victory, that they will conclude their regular season with a 12-10 and overall record, a win against their number one rival, and momentum heading into next week's ACC tournament. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Again, follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore and the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. As always, go do. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you and good day.